Why do so many men lack confidence? What's up, you guys? Welcome to the Therapy Brothers Podcast. I'm Brandon. I'm Tyler. We're brothers. We're therapists. We're not afraid of your questions. So bring it. All right, before I answer answer that question. Quick review. It says, Brandon um, is always willing to tackle the hard stuff and share insights and wisdom, especially when it may not be easy to hear. Love his approach. And uh, I would say the same thing about Tyler. Uh, he's uh, always willing to tackle the hard stuff as well. Doesn't shy away. So that's why I love him. I love working with him. Um, and he has such a, a soft, kind good heart yet at the same time he'll be honest with people and push people and teach a lot so i'm blessed i'm blessed to have him as a as a person who teaches me a lot about how to do good therapy and work with people so i'm missing him today he's actually out he's um over on the islands in hawaii i'm totally jealous that's my home away from home that's where i went to grad school and I believe he's on the big island. So, um, you know, aloha to him. And hopefully he's getting some good R&R and enjoying the, the beaches and the, and the sunshine. So, um, so I'm going to hold down the fort today. And so because I'm doing this alone today, I decided to just tackle one of the most important topics I believe there is. And also go after one of my favorite topics. And so the question today is why do so many men lack confidence? And I want to give you a little bit of background as to why I'm, I want to talk about this and why I talk about this all the time. Um, when, when you, I run a practice where I specialize in treating sex addiction. And so if you think about the type of clients that I, I have coming in, I have all kinds of clients and everybody's a little bit different, but there's some common themes that, that come up as I treat sex addiction. And one theme that comes up all the time is that men who are addicted to sex usually lack an understanding of who they really are. Um, they lack self-confidence. They lack an ability to be vulnerable, um, honest, authentic, empathetic all of those things because it's too uncomfortable and it can manifest itself in different ways. You'll have the guys who are completely shut down um, and avoidant of anything vulnerable. You'll have the guys who are completely codependent to their partners and needing love and needing connection all the time. And, and, and they're very needy um, and they'll be consuming and using their, their spouse and their partner for their self-worth. Um, you'll have the guys who are workaholics um, or they're overly religious in terms of trying to be righteous, trying to be good enough, trying to prove themselves, trying to make enough money to prove themselves. And um, it's really interesting uh, that I see this day in and day out. And so many men are not confident and don't know who they really are. And I want to talk about the reasons why. And I want to talk about 
how to start to actually trust yourself, find yourself, and have confidence as a man. The other thing I want to talk about is what happens when you lack that understanding of self and that masculinity as a man. What what are the implications in a relationship and and what happens in a relationship? Um, John Eldridge talks about how you know femininity cannot bestow masculinity. And yet a man turns to the feminine a lot and, and says, am I man enough? Want me, desire me, um, let me please you. Let me do these things to prove that I'm man enough. And it's this, it's this never ending appetite of trying to use the woman or the feminine to feel good enough about yourself. And that's, that's what ultimately uh, leads to sex addiction is turning there and turning to sex and uh, trying to, to please others in that way and use them for your own self-worth. So let's back up a little bit. Why do so many men lack confidence? Um, something that I hear about all the time is, is father wounds. And father wounds are very fascinating because um, we've we've all been wounded by our fathers, and all of us fathers are actually wounding our sons. And I hate to say that because I have two sons, and I'm doing the best I can not to wound them. Um, but I know that I am because I know I fall short as a human being. There's things that I I don't do perfectly as a father, and my sons are going to feel wounded. Now the depths of those wounds can really depend on on who I show up as a, as a man um, and as a father for them. Um, but I'm going to wound them because I'm human. Some father wounds are, are, are more intense than others. Some father wounds are more subtle yet intense than others. And those are the really tricky ones. What I mean by that are, you know, I, it's funny, I did like three different intakes in a week or something a while ago where guys came in and they sat down and they said, yeah, I, you know, my, my dad was a good guy. He was a really good guy. Um, in fact, he was really, really involved with church. He was so involved with church and he was just gone all the time. He'd go to work, then he'd go to church. And like, I never hardly saw him and I never really connected to him much. And so you look at that father wound, it's a tricky one because on one hand, you're looking at dad as this great example of a good guy, right? On the other hand, to the son, is he, he's feeling neglected. He's feeling like everything else is more important than connecting to my heart and spending time and energy with me. And I'm not saying that fathers have to be constantly connected to your son or else you're going to wound them. But if you're constantly disconnected and you're constantly somewhere else, even if it's church, even if it's work, if you have a noble job where you change the world for better, if you're gone and you're there all the time, then the sun will get wounded. The sun will feel like maybe I'm not enough. And what young boys will do is they'll think, it's not that my something's wrong with my dad. It's that something's wrong with me. 
um, they'll internalize it. And as they internalize it, they start to create narratives about themselves. Um, I'm not lovable. I need to work for my love. I need to go be the captain of the basketball team, or I need to be the best boy that I possibly can be. Or you know what? I'm not lovable, so therefore forget it. I'm shutting down and I'm disconnecting. Um, I don't need you anyways. But the important thing there is that belief, I'm not lovable, starts to set in. So if the father wound is something drastic like abuse, physical, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, then those, those wounds work the same way. I'm broken. You beat me because there's something wrong with me. You call me names. You shut me down and you shut me out because I must be broken. So those narratives and those shame-based beliefs are the things that start to undermine an understanding of who they really are as sons of God. So I say all the time to my clients, I say, look, recovery is not about sobriety, you know, staying sober or this or that. Recovery is about actually recovering an understanding of who you are beyond what your experiences have been, beyond what your trauma has been. And, and men can get wounded by their mothers too. I, I want to say that as well. Um, we, we get wounded by our mothers as well. Um, and and those, those wounds also feed narratives. But the belief about who we are is what starts to cause the breakdown in self, which then starts to cause the breakdown in, in attaching in relationships and, and connecting in relationships. Now, I want to I talk about a couple of other things beyond just trauma and wounds that break down a man's confidence. Um, high rigidity and low love will break down a man's confidence. So when the system is more important than the individual, it will, it will make it so that the, the child will feel like, look, I'm not, it's, it's not about me who I am, and, and they, they don't see my heart. They don't know whether I'm enough or not. It's about the system. If I fall in line, then I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. So high rigidity is not good for a man's soul. Um, high chaos is not good for a man's soul either, where there's no structure, um, where it's just like mom and dad aren't around at all, and I just go do whatever I want to do. Because they don't feel like, like you're there to protect them. You're there to actually care about them. So there's a balance between that chaos and rigidity, which is structure and flexibility, where, where, where a, a, a boy can really develop. I have structure. I have support. But I also have autonomy to be me and discover who I really am. Um. Church can actually be a problem for a man's development if, if they're under the contingency model of God's love is what I call it. If um, a boy is taught that my value is dependent upon my um, righteousness, then what that says is if I sin or make a mistake, then God is going to actually disconnect from me. If, I, if I'm not good enough 
um, and, and, and obedient enough, then God's going to be pissed. He's going to be mad. And so, uh, I better be a good boy in order to, in order to be loved. That's a crock of whatever. Um, and, and this is why it is, is because God's love is not contingent. We, we don't do good things to earn God's love. And, and the reason I can say that is because I have two sons and my two sons screw up and fight and argue with their sisters and leave messes all over the place all the time. And it does not change my love for them. Yeah, it frustrates me. Yeah, it's annoying. And I love them the same whether they put their shoes away or whether they don't. And if my boys did something horrific and they came to me and they said, Dad, I would need to tell you what I did. It would be met with love because I love them. God is the same way. So when there's, there's high rigidity religiously and a lot of guilt and a lot of shame that's driving obedient behaviors, it actually starts to feed a narrative that I have to earn God's love which starts to break down an understanding of who they really are as a son of God, as a, as a son of God who's loved unconditionally. So you take father wounds, you take beliefs about, you know, a lack of love from God. Um, then, then the third thing is you take kind of the societal pressures that men have. Um, men are built for war, they're built for adventure, they're built for love, and that we're built for these things. They excite us. Eldridge talks about these things all the time. We're built for these things. However, I'm built for all of these things, and then I turn 22, and I get married, and I got to pay the bills. So stick me in that cubicle where I can make enough money to pay my little mortgage for my condo, keep me there, confined down to that cubicle where I work my nine to five job and oh, once in a while, I'll go out and ride my mountain bike. It's like putting an, an animal in a cage. It's, it's destroying their soul. And I'm all about hard work. But, but when we're forced into doing certain things because we should, that starts to break down an understanding of self. Every man needs adventure. Every man needs something to fight for. And every man needs to feel alive. So if you're, if you're just working to work and you're numbing your life out with soda and food and sex, porn, whatever it is, and that's how you're getting through this life, then you're not living. And you're not actually stepping into your masculinity and being a man. All right, so father wounds, social pressures to perform, um, be religious beliefs and thoughts that, that feed shame, all of these things start to break a man's soul. 
and they, 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 here's the common thoughts that they start to believe. Nobody will love me as I am. So what I need to do, because nobody will love me as I am, is I need to put on a show. I need to manipulate the world around me to accept me. Because deep, deep down, if they really saw me, then I'd get rejected or abandoned. And right there, right there lies the attachment disorder. Right, right there lies the inability to be authentic and honest and vulnerable in relationships. If that's underneath, if that shame is underneath, nobody will love me as I am. So I'm not going to show up authentic. And there's this dilemma that, that guys will get in in a relationship, which is, okay, I know I should be authentic. I want to be authentic. But if I do, they'll probably reject me. So I'll become what I call a poser. I'll, I'll, I'll put on this show. Now, the show looks like a lot of different things. Sometimes the show is being overly compliant, um, a yes man. You know, never saying no, never having an opinion, never really showing up um, in the relationship, but just trying to please, trying to please, and trying to please. Um, that's an, a, a man that's not confident. Now, we could swing the pendulum to the other side where the man becomes the pompous jerk who forces control all the time. He's scared of vulnerability too. He just needs to be in control because he has to control the narrative about what's happening in his life rather than sit in any of the vulnerability of it. Um, you can hide behind trying, like I said earlier, trying to earn enough money or being good enough at your job or at church or whatever, trying to prove yourself. So, Fast forward to a relationship here. So this man who has this belief that nobody will love me as I am or I'm not enough um, somehow convinces a woman to marry him, okay? So you're married, la-di-da, honeymoon's great. Then all of a sudden real life hits and you got to start making some decisions. Um, you know, what are you going to do for a career? Where are you going to live? Uh, when are you going to start having babies? Like, and, and so all of these stressors and pressures start coming into the relationship. Um, if there's that belief underneath that I'm not lovable, nobody will love me as I am, then their spouse is the person that usually they're most scared of the rejection from. So what that means is that their spouse is the person that they need to manipulate the most in order for them not to reject them. So I really got to put on a show for her. I've really got to hide things from her. I've really got to manipulate her to think that I'm good or okay. Or what I have to do is make her think that she's crazy and she's bad so that she doesn't reject me. If I beat her down far enough in her own self-worth, then she'll stay with me. What kind of relationship is that? What is that? I mean, that's called consumption. It's called 
I need to use my wife to feel validated, to feel enough and to feel okay. Will never, ever create safety and trust in a relationship. And it's the, it's at the crux of everything that Tyler and I see all the time. You think about it, like you're, you're going, you know, you're at a restaurant or something. You have this shame underneath that's just driving all kinds of poser behaviors in your relationship. And you say something at dinner and your wife turns to you and just gives you that look that's like, like you suck. And maybe she means it that way. Maybe she doesn't. But if you already feel like I'm not enough and I'm not okay, how are you going to take that? You're going to get defensive. You're going to shut down. Or you're going to get try to fix it and get overly compliant. If you do any of those things, what you're saying is that look that she gave me is proof that what I believe my, about myself is true. She can just give you a little look. But imagine if she confronts you and says something. Says like, I don't like what you're doing or that doesn't work for me. When you have that shame there, it takes away your ability to connect to her and empathize with her and hold space for her to feel whatever she's feeling. It also takes away your ability to be boundaried and honest with her about what works for you and what doesn't. Because you're not going to show up authentic. So, you know, let's say my wife comes to me and says, I'm really unhappy with what happened last night. If I'm a confident man who knows that I'm lovable, knows that God loves me, and I feel that in my soul, I, I, I understand that, then I don't need her validation as a man. I already know who I am. So she says, I don't like what you did last night. I don't need her validation. Then I can totally show up and love her in that moment. I can totally hold space for her. And I can say, tell me more. Tell me what happened. Tell me, tell me how you feel and who you are. Because I'm not scared of your pain. Your pain doesn't define me. And because your, your pain doesn't define me, I, I love hearing it. I love stepping into it with you because you're my spouse and I love you and I care about you. Um, so oftentimes therapy is an interesting thing because people come in and they say, I'm addicted, help me stop. Or we're fighting all the time, help us not fight. And a lot of times what we, what really needs to be addressed is not all these symptoms of what's happening, but what's underneath. How do you view yourself? What do you see about yourself? If I feel like I'm not good enough and my wife gives me a look, it might mean nothing about me at all. Maybe she gave me the look because she was looking past me at a child. So I need to do my own work. The pathway into masculinity, it goes through courage and faith. It's not about working harder to be a better man. 
It's about learning how to face the, the monster dead in the eye. And that monster is fear and shame. It's about looking that fear and that shame in the eye and stepping right into it and right toward it and saying, you know what? You've controlled me. You've pushed me to be a poser and I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to love myself. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be authentic. And my wife might abandon me. God might even abandon me, but I'm going to do it anyways because I'm done running and spinning and manipulating. The pathway to healing for a man who has a lot of shame is courage and, and faith, surrender. That's it. And as you step into that faith and that courage over and over and over again, I know, and this is easy for me to say, one, because I've been through it personally, but I've seen men go through it many times. Um, I know that as, as if when you step into that, God will, God will be there. You will heal. You'll understand who you really truly are as a man. But you won't feel that and you won't know that unless you're willing to practice that faith. And I could, I could give you examples of little nitty-gritty things like, you know, next time your wife asks you something, just say the honest truth. Next time you've, you, you want to go for that promotion or that thing at work that you've avoided over and over again because you feel like you're not good enough, go for it. Allow yourself to fail. Experience failure. And realize that God loves you even when you fail. Wherever your shame is the deepest and the, the, the darkest and the scariest, that's, what, that's where you step in. I was a shy, scared, afraid adolescent. Tyler could tell you. I was, I was wallpaper. I got really, really good at uh, blending in and not being seen. Um, I had a lot of shame. A lot of shame that I just, I wasn't important and I wasn't good enough. Um, my, my pathway out of that shame was to realize that it was a lie and that I didn't have to believe that. But then the next step for me was, was to, to say, okay, if that's a lie, then who am I really? And what would I do without that shame there? And I realized I'd, I'd fight for people. I'd put myself out there to the world. I wouldn't care if people hated me or whatever. Um, I, I, I want to be heard and I want to be seen and I want to do God's work. And so that's what I would do. But that old voice of shame comes back and says, nobody's going to listen. No one cares. Shut up. Um, be quiet. Be shy and shut down. And you got to face that demon, that monster again and again until eventually you realize it is a lie because I felt it, because I've experienced something different. So the, the shame, the demon, the fear, that's what undermines the understanding of who you really are and you stepping into your purpose for God as a man. And as you do that, your relationship will take care of itself because you'll show up as an authentic person who will build trust and you'll, you'll be honest, vulnerable, and easy to connect to in a, in a relationship. All right, you guys. Um, 
quick reference. If you haven't read Wild at Heart, I I did mention some of his stuff today. And uh, John Eldridge, he's one of my favorite guys, favorite authors, um, one of my favorite books as well. So uh, check that out. Tyler's also a big fan of his as well. Um, if you guys like this episode, please uh, rate and review it. And if you have any questions, then you can go over to therapybrothers.com. And I'll talk to you guys later. See ya.